Hello, everyone. Remember, there's no junior church today, so kids, make sure you get your own bulletin. Um, there's crayons and your kids' bulletin back there, and if you fill them out, what do you get? Piece of candy, that's right, for paying attention. Good. So there was this guy, he was um, coming home from work, and he was kind of exhausted, and as he comes to his apartment building, sitting on the front steps are two young girls, and they are crying uncontrollably. He dropped his briefcase, he rushed over because he's scared something's going on. What's, um, he's thinking something the worst, and he gets down on his knees, and he asks the person, are you all right? And this little girl, through her sobbing breath, said, my baby's arm came off. And she lifted up her little baby doll. And so he, he kind of takes a breath and he picks up her baby doll and works the arm and gets it back in there. And, and she exclaims with joy, hugs him around the neck and goes running off to show her mom that the baby doll is fixed. And so he turns to the next little girl who was crying and he said, um, and what's making you cry, young lady? And she wiped her cheeks and said, oh, I'm okay. I was just helping her cry. That little girl was a good friend. That's what we're going to be talking about today, is good friends. Um, I almost had a clip from the Toy Story, You've Got a Friend in Me, where you got Buzz and Woody, who are unlikely friends. They're at opposite spectrums. you got a spaceman and a cowboy, and they don't like each other. And yet, by the end of the film, they are best friends. Few things are more important in life than having good friends. We need them. But what does it mean to be a good friend? A British publication offered a prize to the citizens there of England for the best definition of a friend. Here are some of them, and then I'll share the, the winning one. A friend is one who multiplies joys and divides grief. That's very true, isn't it? Um, a friend is one who understands your silence. But here's the, the winning one. A friend is one who comes in when the whole world has gone out. That is a true friend. Irma Bombeck um, said, A friend is someone who thinks you're a good egg even though you're cracked. I didn't say it, but that was a good one. Samuel Coolidge once described friendship as a sheltering tree. When I read that phrase, that's when I decided what we we're going to look at in this scripture. A sheltering tree. What, what is the purpose of a big shade tree? Anybody? To find shade. What from? The sun, the heat, the stress. And what happens when you sit in the shade tree? You cool off. What else? I, you guys are mumbling louder. You rest. What? You fall asleep, Croc said, just like in my sermons. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You, you rest, you relax, you recoup. The shade trees are there for a purpose, right? They, they help the farmers. That's what they were there for. Well, how, many more, how much more should that be for us, for our friends, being a shade tree? Picture your friends as great leafy trees who spread themselves over you to provide shade from the heat of your troubles, whose presence can stand against that awful storm or blast of a winter gust. A great sheltering tree. That's a friend. 
We're in what, some of the final stages of King David's life, and as we look at this next stage of, of his life, we're going to find a man who not only had one friend as a sheltering tree, but it seems like he had a whole forest of them. But why does David need these friends? He's the king, right? Well, what did we learn a few weeks ago? David committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had her husband killed. On the heels of that, uh, he lived many months as a hypocrite. As a result of all that, he lost the baby and watched his whole world crumble. Anger, bitterness, incest, rape, murder, rebellion, all occurred within his own household. And it turned into rebellion for his, uh, his grown children and eventually Absalom leading a revolt against him. David's living through the consequences of his choices. And personally, politically, and in his family, when David is told that Absalom has declared himself king, David panics. It says in 2 Samuel 15, verse 14, Then David said to all his officials who are with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee. None of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to the sword. Here is David, the great hero, the one who slays giants, who is fleeing, running away from his son. After all these years as a king, he's once again returned back to life on the run. Just like when he was running away from Saul. Uh, verse uh, chapter 15, second statement. The king's official answered to David, saying, Your servants are ready to do whatever your lord the king chooses. The king set out with his entire household following him, but he left ten concubines to take care of the palace. So the king set out with all of the people following him, and they halted at the edge of the city. There are a lot of emotions in these verses right here. When I moved from Wyoming to Indiana, that was a very hard move for me emotionally, mentally. I had all my friends. I lived in the city. I was a uh, four or five blocks from school, from a park, a couple blocks from my friends. Dairy Queen was just a couple blocks away. I mean, it was perfect. And we were moving from this place I knew and I loved to the middle of a trailer park in the middle of a cornfield in Indiana. It smelled like hog manure. I wasn't happy. And while we were moving, I really remember that last day we were pulling away from the house there in Wyoming. And I turned back and I watched the house until I could see it no more. And it felt like part of me was dying there. I just wanted to get one more glimpse. And I wonder, is that what's happening with David right here? They're on their way leaving the city and they stop. He has even more reasons to look back than I would have. Jerusalem has been named after him, the city of David. As he came to the edge of town and stopped, did he look back over the city that he saw build up through God's power and providence? Was his heart broken as he stood there looking back, his mind flooded with memories of each area? Who would have thought that this is how his reign, his kingdom would have ended? Remember I said that after Bathsheba, his life just keeps going down. This is a very low point for David and what David needs right now in this harsh heat, this reality that he is in, is some friends. Some friends to show him. The first friend we're going to look at is Atai, the Gittite. 
And it's interesting that the first time he's mentioned here in all the scriptures right here, he's a friend of the king, but he didn't step into the limelight until David needed the shade tree. The weird thing is, it says he's a Gittite. That means he's from Gath. Who else do we know in scripture is from Gath? Anybody? Goliath. David killed their hero, and now one of his close friends is from Gath. Somewhere along the way, Ittai and Ittai and 600 other people from Gath joined and gave allegiance to David. Can you imagine that, that your enemies, your once enemies, turn and pledge allegiance and even become a sheltering shade tree for you? When David's, David's back against the wall, Ittai says... Uh, Thing. He basically says, I'm going to stand with you. Verses 19 and 20. The king said to Ittai the Gittai, why should you come along with us? Go back and stay with the king Absalom. You are a foreigner and exile from your homeland. You came only yesterday, and today shall I make you wonder about with us? When I do not even know where I am going. Go back, take your people with you. May the Lord show you kindness and faithfulness. Basically, David saying, hey... You shouldn't have allegiance to me. Go back to the king. Notice what David said. He took the, the kingship away from himself and he proclaimed it to Absalom. You shouldn't have to be with me. It's going to be a hard road. You're, just go back where it's a little safe and easy. But look what Ittai says in verse 21. Ittai replied to the king, As surely as the Lord lives, and as my lord the king, what did he just say? The king, he placed the kingship back on David. Wherever my lord, the king, in case you needed it re- repeated there, wherever my lord, the king may be, whether it means life or death, there your servant will be. That is a very bold statement. That is a shade tree, friend. I thought when I was reading this, it reminds me of somebody else in the Bible, of Ruth chapter 1. Naomi says this to Ruth, or Ruth says this to Naomi. Don't ask me to leave and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. This Ruth right here is a perfect picture of what it means to devote yourself in friendship and relationship. And Ittai is doing the same thing. And don't we want those kind of friends in our lives? Don't we want somebody that says, you know what, I don't care what happens, as God is my witness, I will be by your side. That's the type of friend David had. Those are the type of friends I want. With gratitude, David sets off with Ittai and the rest of those Gittites into the unknown. But he wasn't the only friend who showed up for David. Let's go to verse 24. Zadok was there too. Now, I'll just say something real quick. David's got some friends with weird names, okay? Zadok was there too, and all the Levites who were with him carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. They set down the Ark of God, and Abathar offered sacrifices until all the people had finished leaving the city. Two more friends show up right here. Zadok and Abathar. These two men are Levites. They're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. These two friends represent something. They represent God's blessings and His presence. 
That's why they're, they're part of the Levites. They've got the Word of God. They're carrying the Ark, which is the presence and the blessings. God's blessings and sacrifices. Look what happens in verse 25. Then the king said to Zadok, Take the Ark of God back into the city. If I find favor in the Lord's eyes, he'll bring me back and, and let me see it and his dwelling place again. But if he says, meaning if God says, I am not pleased with you, then I am ready. Let him do to me whatever seems good to him. What a humble attitude of David. He said, you go put this ark back where it needs to be. You put the presence of God so that God can be with his people. And if I find favor, he'll let me come back. And if not, I deserve what God's going to give me. David knows the ark does not belong to him. If you go back a few chapters, several sermons we went to, remember he tried to bring the ark the wrong way and it caused death. And he's like, this isn't mine. I've got to do it God's way. And he's remembered this lesson. Out of respect for God, he says, you take that ark back where it belongs. If God wants me restored, he'll do it. He's ready to receive what he deserves. And this is where we see the other side of good friends. Out of respect for David and out of honor to God and God's people, Zadok and Abathar did exactly what David suggested. They put up no argument, no resistance. They were there to help David, but their first priority was to God. David reminded them of that, and then they did that. Whatever that entailed, even if that meant going back, so be it, because God's ministry comes before. I want friends who do that to me. Who say, you know, I'd love to be with you, Donnie, but I've got to do this for God first. This is primary. I want friends that if I say that, they're like, you're right, I've got to go do this, and then I'll come and be with you. That's a good friend. Now to verse 30. David continued up uh, the mountain bollocks, weeping as he went. His head was covered and he was barefoot. All the people with him covered their heads too and were weeping as they went. Remember the last time David came into the city, he is shouting, he is praising. There's a band, he's jumping around in his ephod, he's, which is his linen underwear. He's having a celebratory parade coming into town. Now he's leaving in the saddest parade of their history, it seems. The mighty king of Israel is barefooted, head-covered, weeping as he ascends the Mount of Olives. And all the people with him covered their heads. They're weeping. Isn't that the kind of friends we want to? That when we are broken, like that little girl in the first story, they weep with us. Good friends join you in your suffering and mourning, just like that girl. But then we're going to see what else good friends can do. Verse 32. When David arrived at the summit where the people used to worship God, Hushai the archite was there to meet him, his robe torn and dust on his head. Hushai joins David here in grief. His own robe was torn and there's dust on his head. Now this is something weird. But when you show up to a, a funeral, if you go to someone's viewing and it's not your family, it's one of your friends, don't you generally dress up? Why do you do that? To join in their grief. You dress up to honor your friend and their loved one that's gone. You are doing what Hashai did. He 
ripped his robe and covered his head to join in the grief of David. He showed up bearing the marks of his compassion for David. And David spots it immediately, knowing what a good friend Hishai was. David asked him to do a favor. Verse 33, David said to him, If you go with me, you'll be a burden to me. But if you return to the city and say to Absalom, Your majesty, I'll be your servant. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I'll be your servant. And then you can help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. Won't the priest, Zadok, and Abathar be there with you? Tell them anything you hear in the king's palace. Their two sons, Ahimez, son of Zadok, and Jonathan, son of Abathar, are there with them. Send them to me with anything you hear. So Hashai, David's confidant, arrived at Jerusalem as Abathar. I was doing so well. Absalom was entering the city. Being a good friend here, Hashai did what David asked in keeping lines of communication open with David. So David knew what was going on in the palace. He, he knew what his son was doing. He knew what the conspirators were doing. And this would eventually help overthrow Absalom. The fourth friend group who shelters David are some other weird-named people. Let's look at them. Uh, chapter 17. When David came to Manaheim. Shobi, son of Nahash, and Rabbah of the Ammonites, and Machir, son of Emil, from Lodabar, and Brasilia of uh, the Gileadites, from Rogalum, brought bedding and bowls and articles of pottery. They also brought wheat and barley, flour and roasted grain, uh, beans and lentils, honey, curds, sheep, cheese from cow's milk for David and his people to eat. For they said the people have become exhausted and hungry, and thirsty in the wilderness. These are my top-rated friends. They bring food. And notice in there, it said cheese, which means cheese is a godly food. Okay? It, it's just awesome. They bring food, but not only food, they also brought bedding, bulls, and other needs for them. Taking care of physical needs of these people is, is a very practical form of friendship. And it's a great way to show we love him, and that's faith and love in action. What did Jesus do to all the people who came to him when they were hurting, when they were sick, when they were... He fixed their physical needs before he poured into them the spiritual needs. And that's exactly what's happening here. Can you imagine the wonderful lift this must have given David and to those with him? They're traveling, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're hungry, and here comes these people bringing a buffet, bedding, utensils. The last friend we're going to look at today is one we've already heard of, and that's Joab, David's army commander. Eventually, through a series of battles, David received word that Absalom is dead. Absalom's death, death hit him hard. Uh, while living through his consequences, David couldn't get past his own grief. He's caught in this emotional vortex where he's just spiraling in and out of the depression of what has happened to his family, and it seems like it's paralyzing him. And have you ever been in a time of grief where it's done that to you, where it's gripped you so hard you couldn't leave that section of your life? That's when David needed this shade tree friend. In chapter 19, verse 1, Word soon reached Joab that the king was weeping and mourning for Absalom. 
And all the people heard of the king's deep grief for his son, and the joy of that day's victory was turned to deep sadness. They crept back into the town that day as though they were ashamed and had deserted the battle. The king covered his face with his hands and kept on crying, Oh, my son Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went to the king's room and said to him, Now remember, you can't just read this monotones. So Joab goes to him, We saved your life today, and the lives of your sons, your daughters, and your wives and concubines, yet you act like this? Making us feel ashamed of ourselves? You seem to love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You have made it clear today that your commanders and your troops mean nothing to you. It seems that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died, you would be pleased. Now go out there and congratulate your troops, for I swear by the Lord, if, I, if you don't go out, not a single one of them will remain here tonight. Then you'll be worse off than ever before. He just talked to the king like that. I really like Joab here. I really like this friend. Talk about being bold and blunt. He spoke the truth. He came up and said, get off this couch and get out there and do your job. Don't we sometimes need friends like that? Sometimes we need good friends to come and give us a kick in the behind to go do what we need to do. David took his friend's advice, and even though he had this grief, honestly, and he should have had grief, he was able to do what was needed done because of the help of his friends. We need friends. Friendship like that sheltering tree, it is through the friends that God is able to provide support, encouragement, rest, and recuperation, encouragement, and comfort from all our times of need. It may surprise you, I had to do some research, and it depends on which translation you use, but the word friends, friendly, and friendship appear over 100 times in the Bible. It's repeated over 100 times about, in a positive sense, that we need good friends or we need to be a good friend. And if it's repeated, it's important. That's right. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Proverbs 18.24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Both of these verses, as well as countless others, um, emphasize the importance of friends and that the best of friends will be there for our worst of times. So what do we learn from all this? We're seeing all these friend groups for David. First off, we need to be friends. Kids, right now, you have lots of friends in school, right? And you're going to start missing them because it's summertime. Does that mean you stop being friends? No, you're still good. What's going to happen on the first day of school? What, if you see your friend, what are you going to do? Get in trouble for talking. Jonathan said that. Yes, that's true. That's exactly what you will do. What else will you do when you see your friends? Kids, come on. Yeah. You give them a hug. Why? You're happy to see them. You miss them. You love them. You're going to join. Yes, Molly. You're going to high five them, fist bump, okay? You're going to be excited to do that. Time and space doesn't hurt friendships usually if they're good friends. We've got this friend um, down in Kentucky. And you can ask my boys, this guy is louder than me. Yeah. 
we, you should see us together. It is so fun. Um, and you think I'm blunt? You got to meet Paul. He, he, he'll just say stuff. <laughs> I love Paul. And when we get together, we haven't seen each other for two years, and guess what? We're best friends again. And that's what friendships we need to do. There are a few things we need to keep in mind because we need friends. And the first thing we need to understand is friends are not optional. They are essential. You and I need friends. Even Jesus, the Son of God, surrounded himself with friends. If Jesus needed friends here on earth, what makes us think we can go rogue, that we can go alone? Jesus needed friends. Not just the 12 apostles, but countless others like Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We are foolish to think that we could go through life without good friends. We need to understand also that friendship comes in various levels. This is a very hard lesson to learn. And kids, you really need to learn this. Friendships go from acquaintance to casual friends to close friendship, and then those close, intimate friendships. All of these levels of friendships are important, and each meets a different kind of need that we have. But most important and the most influential of all is that last one, those really close-knit, intimate friends, your best friends. Our closest and most intimate friends are the ones who know us best, can be there in the hardest of times. That's why Joab could be so blunt to David. He saw him at his worst and his best. He was with him. He knew him, and he could come up and say the right phrase. So we need to understand there are different levels of friends. Not everybody's going to be your best friend. That, that, that's okay. Third, we need to understand that friendships are not automatic. They need to be cultivated. You have to work at being a friend and getting a friend. The best way to be a friend is to get one. Now, I told you I moved from Indiana to, or from Wyoming to Indiana. How many of you ever seen the cartoon show Recess? Okay, I'm going to talk to you six for a moment, apparently. So, on this show, Recess, it's in this fifth grade class, basically. Um, these kids rule the playground, and they have all this fun, and they have this little, little group, TJ and the, and the whole gang there. When I lived in Indiana, I lived, or in Wyoming, I lived Recess. I wanted to be TJ, but if you've seen the show, I was Gus. That'll just tell you there, right there. Okay, look it up. But we owned everything. We even had the big slide playground. That was ours. Nobody could be on it but us. And I left that and went to Southwood. They are so descriptive in the naming of their, their schools. We were south of town by the woods. Southwood. But we had a sister school, Northfield. Wow. <laughs> and that way it was not on the east side yet. And I left all my friends, and I expected friends right away in fifth grade. And I'm looking around, I'm like, well, they're going to be my friend. And guess what? None of them were. Do you know why they weren't my friends right away? Because I didn't work on it. I wanted them to come to me. And the best way to be a friend is you start being a friend first. You make that effort. My first friend in fifth grade started to be Greg Kelly. And then I got to know Chad Galligan and Chad Gilly, and then I started making friends. But I had to make that first step. They have to be cultivated. It begins with us reaching out and, and working on a relationship. 
Do you know it, it can be as simple as saying, hey, I'd like to have you over for dinner or uh, taking someone out to coffee to go watch a movie. It has to start somewhere. And if you want good friends, you need to take the initiative. Many times I have heard people say, well, I just don't have any close friends. Generally, those people aren't working to try and make good friends. They're waiting for it to happen. Once a relationship has started, guess what you need to do? Work on it to keep going. I mentioned Paul down in Kentucky. Loud Paul. We email quite often, um, usually through his wife because he hates computers. And so that's how we keep in contact. And we have to keep working on it. You have to invest in them. Thankfully, David had this forest of friends, friendship trees, that enabled him to make it through this toughest time. And you and I need to make sure that a true friend forest is cultivated. We tend to it. We keep it going. The most important friendship of all should be easiest to understand. And that is our friendship with Jesus. John 15, verse 13, There is no greater love than he that lays down one's life for one's friend. Jesus is talking about first himself. I'm going to lay down my life for you, and he calls you his friend. How many of us are worthy to be Jesus' friends? That's right, none of us. He chose to call us friends. He called him my best friend in Wyoming. His name was Greg King. You know why he, he proclaimed I was his friend first? He is the one who proclaimed I was his best friend. Uh, what happened is Greg had um, failed a year, and so he is held back. And we got to sit next to each other. And because I was new to the school that year, too, um, when we were taking a test, uh, before we took the test, we didn't cheat. Hear me on that, kids. We didn't cheat. But before we took the test, I would help him go over answers. Here's what we've got to remember. Remember this. And I started helping him. And he'd stop by on, my, on his way home, and we'd do homework together. And then he's like, you're my friend. But you can beat people up. You're bigger than everybody. And you want me to be your friend? Jesus, that's what Jesus has done for you and me. He laid down his life for his friends, for you and I. Right now, I want you to think right now, who is your best friend here on earth? Okay? Uh, mine's obvious. It's my wife. We're best friends. We're co-workers. Um, I can't get enough of her. She's excited I'm leaving for camp, so she has four days without me. <laughs> uh, but think of your best friends. I, I would say Casey, and then it, it'd be close would be Paul. Who are your best friends? Why? Are they your friends? And what do you need to do to show God, God honor, God love and respect to them. If you don't have friends like that, what are you doing to fix that? Now think of your relationship with Jesus. Is it someone that you can call on? I can tell you right now, if I called Paul, if it at all possible, he'd be here. I don't doubt that at all. We're six hours away and he would be here. That's how much I believe in our friendship. What about Jesus? Do you have a friendship with him knowing he will be there for you? That you can ask and say, God, I just need you. Because if you don't have that relationship, it's not supposed to be one of those acquaintanceships. It's not supposed to be one of those friends you see once in a while. Your friendship with Jesus is supposed to be one that builds and grows to be better than a brother. 
It is supposed to be one of those strong ones to have that intimate relationship. That's what Jesus wants with you. This whole week at BBS, we got to talk about the value of life. And we got to share different messages with the kids and, and hearing some of the questions. Seeing some of them connect the dots. Like Lila saw that Jesus in one of the posters had a, key, had a crown, didn't you? You saw the crown on Jesus in that poster. And what does that mean? He's a king. She's like, why are you put, pointing at me? Like, that was an easy one. But she's like, he's a king because he's in heaven and he's Jesus. And yet, what do we get to be? We get to be his friends. The king has chosen us. And if you don't have that relationship because he has placed you valuable, he has claimed that you are wonderfully and fearfully made. And will you accept that friendship? The same is true for all of us. You don't have to go to BBS to learn that. I kind of wish you would have been because it was fun. Do you have that friendship relationship? If you have a close friend this week, I want you to reach out to them. Like, I've got to email Paul. I've just got to because I'm throwing that challenge out. You need to contact them and let them know. Let them know. I, I am telling Casey how much I love her as my best friend by leaving her for four days so she can have quiet. <laughs> but tell your friends that. And include Jesus in that. Share with him how much you appreciate him. If you don't have that friendship with Jesus, if you have not accepted that love that he has poured out ready for you, I want you to know we were ready all week to talk to the VBS kids, and Dustin and I and the elders are ready to talk to anybody about that. All you need to do is say, how do I make Jesus my best friend? How do I join the family of God? How do I grow closer to him? It's really the challenge this week. How can you be a shade tree friend for someone else and go thank the shade tree friends of your life? Uh, as always, we, we close in our sermons with a prayer. Um, and Randy came over and he's like, I'd like to pray for the church today. So um, we're going to close in prayer, but Randy's going to do it as part of our family, in a sense, uh, goes to a different church, but yet we're all part of the same family. And so he's going to come up, and the praise team will come up, and we're going to close in prayer right now. Let's pray. Father, I just uh, thank you for the privilege of being here today with this pastor this body. And Lord, I just praise you for what you're doing here. As Donnie uh, is a pastor that just preaches your word without compromise, full of grace, and this is a church that shines your light and your word in this community uh, without compromise, but but with love. Father, I just pray that your light just continues to shine brighter and brighter uh, through this place, in, in these people, but through these people, where they work, where they go to school, uh, in their neighborhoods, in their families just that the blazing light of your love and your truth and your grace will shine through them where everyone around here knows that this is where they can find Jesus, that they'll see Jesus in parts of this body here, and that they'll grow to love him through the witness they see. 
Lord, just bless this church and use it in great and dynamic ways. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you guys want to go ahead and stand, we're going to close with one more song. <laughs>